Hello and welcome to the Protect Your Bees podcast. I'm your host, Najee Robbins, and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode this season where our focus is on all things rest. In today's episode, I'll continue to share about why rest matters and the importance of letting our rest practices change over time. We'll dig into the connection between rest and boundaries, community care, and I'll share an important question about legacy. So make sure you've got some hydration nearby, take at least a few mindful breaths, and let's dig in. last few episodes have been meaty. We've dug into quite a bit as we started to explore this question of what is rest. I got into some of the neuroscience behind rest, the differences and similarities between rest and sleep, along with a brief sex ed sidebar. And last episode, we explored seven different types of rest via the work of Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. As a reminder, those seven types are physical, mental, emotional, social, creative, sensory, and spiritual. Now, if you haven't yet today or lately, take a moment to check in with what type or types of rest your body has been requesting of you lately or that your body is requesting of you today. Perhaps it's mostly physical Maybe there are some other types that are in the mix or kind of more on the surface of a request. Now this menu of options, the way I like to think of these seven types, it's just one framework to connect with. And I think it can be helpful for some of us because it presents rest kind of like a menu of options. It wraps words around what we feel and experience in our bodies, but don't always have language for. I think rest can sometimes be like this catch-all term that most of us conceptualize solely as meaning physical rest or sleep. But there are other ways in which we can feel fatigued too, right? I think these seven types of rest acknowledge the different parts of us that also require rest and tending beyond sleep, beyond solely the physical. And don't get me wrong, physical rest is such an important, fundamental type of rest that we need. I think we often need a lot more than we think we do. And truthfully, if we consider these seven types of rest, when we're providing ourselves with mental rest or emotional rest or any of the other types that are not physical, we are for all intents and purposes physically resting on some level because we exist in a body, right? So all these parts of us are interrelated. Again, what I think can be helpful or maybe eye-opening about these seven types 
is it reminds us that laying down is not the end-all be-all on rest, and it's also really important. (laughs) So it's acknowledging the different parts of us, the different processes, and that those parts need rest and tending to. And knowing that we need different types of rest can support us in discovering and exploring different access points to rest, different ways to tend to ourselves. And it can also support us in making the connection between what we feel and what type of rest we require. Meaning, what you feel in your body may be different depending on the type or types of rest you are in need of. For example, When I am experiencing social fatigue, when I'm in need of some social rest, or as my friend Dre calls it, like de-peopling, sometimes you just need to de-people for a while, it feels different in my body and is tended to a bit differently than when I am solely feeling physically fatigued. Now, of course, we can experience, obviously, both social and physical fatigue, but I personally don't always feel like I need to lay down or take a nap when I'm in need of social rest. Sometimes I just need to be in an environment that's a little more insular where I'm by myself spending some quality time with myself. So these seven different types can help us to make a connection between, okay, when I'm, when I'm feeling tired, what type of tired am I feeling? What... What type of rest may tend to the fatigue that I'm feeling or the part of me that's feeling tired? And that's part of why I really like these seven types that Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith presents, right? So so if you resonate with this menu of options, with these seven types of rest, with the language of this... What I encouraged last episode was to spend some time journaling on, thinking about, talking through, and connecting with each of these sort of parts of you, each of these options on the menu, and identifying what helps you to feel rested and tended to in these areas. And again, there might be some overlap with with those areas. You don't necessarily have to have something distinct for every single one, but just spending a bit of time getting curious and digging into each of these areas, each of these ways in which we require rest. And perhaps throughout the day or each day, checking in like we did at the beginning with what type of rest your body is requesting of you today? What part of you is requiring kind of a lessening of the load and some tending and some ease today? A few episodes ago, I was talking about how part of what distinguishes rest from sleep is that sleep is a life or death situation. Without it, we will die, which is why sleep is a drive. 
Whereas without rest, we won't necessarily die, but I would wager we don't feel particularly alive either. You cannot hack your way out of rest. It doesn't matter how many supplements you take, how much kale you ingest, how many nap ministry reposts you put on your stories that will never replace actually resting in the ways you need to. It's not the same as the embodied experience of resting. Rest may not be a drive, but it is an essential piece of our well-being. If you have a body, then you require rest. And if you don't rest, then you're going to burn out. In centering rest in our lives, I don't believe is just an individual endeavor. I do truly believe that we need the practices of or the support of not just ourselves, but also our community and the folks that we're in relationship with in order to center rest. When you feel tired in any way, shape, or form, the body is communicating to you that it needs rest in some way, shape, or form. And so what might it be like to honor it? What might it be like to support the folks you're in relationship with in honoring that? Knowing that you support the people that you are in relationship with in part by honoring your innate need for rest in your life and in your body. When we don't rest in the ways that we need, the body is not able to tend to the processes that support our long-term function and well-being. Like I mentioned earlier, our immune system, digestion, and the like, and our access to things like curiosity and creativity and imagination is also limited because the body is putting its resources elsewhere when it is fatigued, when it is exhausted. Think about the way you feel when you're fatigued and how that maybe impacts your conversations or your ability to extend a generous interpretation to someone's intentions or how it impacts your capacity for compassion or understanding of yourself, how it impacts your capacity for difficult conversations or things that aren't just black and white. The implications of exhaustion and lack of rest are far reaching beyond just how much it sucks to feel tired, right? Rest supports our capacity to engage in our lives, even through the tough things, from a more available, present, connected, and curious place. There's a direct connection between rest and capacity. And between rest and integrating what we're trying to learn, between rest and resisting or liberating ourselves from harmful systems that keep us exhausted, like capitalism and white supremacy and the like, I look at rest as a fundamental need for the body, a basic need and a divine right that we don't have to earn. And though our basic needs are fundamentally the same, the way we meet those needs might be different, right? They shift and change over time, not just person to person, but also from one season of our life to another. 
Some Ross practices are like seasonal menu items and others are staples. So we may identify a few go-to practices or rituals or environments that bring us closer to or into the state of rest that we feel consistently connected to no matter the season. And some that may change as you evolve and change, right? Just like how certain fruits and vegetables are good all year round and some are in their prime during a specific season. Rest practices are the same thing, right? Sometimes what worked for you over the summer doesn't resonate much when you get to the fall or the winter. Seasonal menu items, right? If you can't tell, I'm a big fan of food metaphors. Shout out to anybody that did yoga teacher training with me and they will know this all too well. But I think that attuning to how your rest practices change over time is also a really important part of the process, the process of centering rest more in your life. Because sometimes we can grip really tightly to something that used to work for us and is perhaps not working for us much anymore. And I think that attuning to that and honoring the way that you change and the way that the body may be resonating with something different is also a way of listening to and trusting the body. So for me, in this season, rest is, yes, restorative yoga, naps, and lying down. But it's also about creating kind of this landing pad for rest or a runway for which rest can be an accessible and available destination for my body to revisit when it needs to. It's about asking myself, how can I create a good ecosystem for rest within my life, right? What can you do to support rest in feeling more accessible for you? Jake Ernst, who is a therapist and writer and the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts to come out of pandemic land, it's called This Isn't Therapy. He shares such wonderful and nuanced writings on the body and psychology and our experiences. And one of my favorite things that he shared is something that he shared about boundaries, He makes this distinction between setting boundaries and boundary building behavior. Anybody that like follows any kind of, if you're on social media or Instagram and you follow any sort of psychologist or someone within that vicinity, there has been conversation about boundaries in the last year that like everyone's talking about boundaries, right? And... Part of what I found during that time is like, yeah, boundaries, super important. But how do you go from like zero boundaries or few boundaries in certain areas to suddenly having boundaries? So he makes this distinction between setting boundaries and boundary building behavior. I promise I'm going to reconnect this back to rest. I always, I always follow the thread all the way back. That's something you can trust about me. So he says... Setting boundaries may feel more accessible to us if we have the skills, a semblance of safety, and the capacity to do so. 
right? So if those things are not present, then it may feel inaccessible or far out of our reach to firmly state that boundary and hold to it. So boundary building behavior invites us to think of the action of setting boundaries as an ongoing process rather than a fixed destination. And this makes me think of rest because centering rest in your life is an ongoing process and experience. Many of us wait until we are forced to rest, until we are burnt out or our body throws a massive flag on the field in some way, shape, or form, and we simply don't have a choice anymore but to lay our asses down and rest and recover. How can you rest before you are in desperate need so that it feels less like a crash landing? And how can we start to think of centering rest like how Jake talks about this distinction between setting boundaries and boundary building behavior, how can we start to think of centering rest as an ongoing process rather than this fixed, finite destination? We want rest to feel accessible, yes, when we really need it, but how can we make our connection with it less of a crash landing, right? How can you create a runway for the experience of rest to feel like a soft landing rather than a crash landing? Just as you can set your day up for a better night of sleep or for a shitty night of sleep, right? So too can you set your days to make rest feel more accessible. It's going back to that question of how can you create a good ecosystem for rest within your life, knowing that it's going to be an ongoing process, an ongoing recentering and attuning to what your system, to what your body needs to feel rested. For me, it includes a lot of seemingly simple things. It's wearing comfortable clothes. It's letting go of the things that no longer fit or feel resonant so that I don't feel overwhelmed when I open my closet doors. It's going back into the house to change out of uncomfortable shoes that I could totally, you know, live with wearing, but would probably bug me all day. It's taking my purse all the way off my shoulder at the movie theater. Sensory rest. (laughs) It's adjusting the pillows or the blankets around me to get more comfortable before settling in to watch a movie. And it's in the mental things too. It's interrupting sometimes the hustle for self-improvement and optimization by way of constantly consuming information about how to make ourselves better. It's adjusting unreasonable expectations having more reasonable and compassionate expectations for myself and for others. It's removing anyone from the pedestal that you may have them on because it's exhausting to keep them up there. It's honoring that feeling when you've been scrolling for too long and you're starting to get overstimulated, right? It's starting to honor those natural boundaries that exist in the body when the body starts to communicate, hey, I've had a bit too much. 
And sometimes we can't discern that until we've gone over that line, right? And that's how you adjust and find that boundary. That centering of rest is sometimes in those simple things, right? Consider what fosters your ease and relaxation and what gets in the way of it. What supports your body adjusting that dimmer switch, right? How can you center your physical comfort at other points in the day beyond just lying down in your bed? Not because there's not much to be kind of gleaned from learning from our discomfort or developing capacity for discomfort physically, mentally, or otherwise, but also because in order to digest and discern those experiences of, we'll call it productive discomfort, we also need to provide the body with the space to recalibrate, to recharge, to relax. That's how we digest and kind of glean the nuggets of, of wisdom or develop our capacity, right? Rest is an essential part of that process. So at this point in time, prioritizing rest and well-being requires disrupting the narrative. It is veering off course from the roadmap that many of us were provided with, certainly from culture and society as a whole, and for many of us, our family of origin, right? Who we were raised by, the bodies that we came from. So learning to prioritize rest and well-being is not going to feel easy all the time. It's attending to It's an ongoing process. Tending to the many facets of our well-being requires practice. Rest is no different. It's not always easy and it is absolutely necessary. In fact, I would argue it's vital. And it is not something that we're meant to do alone. I truly believe when we rest, we encourage and support those around us in doing the same. We uplift it. We're reinforcing its value and its necessity. We affirm the fact that we have a body and that we're not machines. To begin to center rest is to lovingly and intentionally dismantle exhaustion as part of your legacy. This is something I am constantly reminded of by the work of the NAP ministry, right? Trisha Hersey says, exhaustion is no longer part of my legacy. So to begin to center rest is to embody, to honor, to connect with and pass down the vital tools necessary to reimagining a better world. A world that centers our humanity, not our productivity, not the exploitation of our bodies, the bodies of others, of nature, of so many things. Rest is a fundamental piece of our collective liberation because it's a fundamental piece of our humanity, of honoring and centering our humanity. So I'll close with this. Tracy Stanley asks this brilliant question in her book, Radiant Rest. She asks, if part of your legacy 
was to change the relationship with rest and self-care for your family lineage, how would you begin? And so I encourage you to continue exploring your relationship with rest. How do you define it? What is rest other than sleep or physical rest for you? How do you access it? And what feels truly easeful easeful for you and your body in this season of your life? There's no right answer. Just the answers that feel most resonant for you. And can you explore this from a place of curiosity and collaboration with your body and all of the information that it has to offer you that may not necessarily come in the form of words, right? That might not look like journaling or intellectualizing. Words are not everything. Perhaps it looks like actually devoting some time and attention to rest in the ways that you need it and leaving space, creating that spaciousness for the wisdom to arise from that brilliant body of yours. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. The Protect Your Beast podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by yours truly, Najee Robbins. And our theme music is by Somatics. There are many ways to support the podcast. If you've got the financial means, you can head to protectyourpeace.yoga, yep, dot yoga backslash support. And if you want to stay in the loop on future episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you haven't already, sign up for my newsletter so you can stay in the loop about classes and practices I'm putting out into the world. If there was something about today's episode that connected with you, Share this with a friend via link or conversation. Connect with the humans in your life about rest. And tell me about your conversations and discoveries. I really consider this podcast to be a collaborative effort with you all. So share any questions or curiosities that come up for you around this because I'd love to share them in future episodes this season. Next episode, I'll be digging into all things restorative yoga. So between now and then, I am sending you support and encouragement to hydrate, to nourish yourself in the ways that you need, to check in on your people, and perhaps meet the messy parts of your humanness with at least a little more kindness and compassion. Thank you again for being here, and we will connect soon. Thank you.